Well, good morning to you. Looks like this side is going to kind of win out on the attendance. I don't know what's up with the, with this side. You guys are a little low. The bride side, the groom side. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember which is which. I'm facing the wrong way. Anyway, welcome to uh, week six in our journey through the Lord's Prayer, the Kingdom Priorities of the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to begin like we have been. You've got a, a handout, the green one, the main one. Because who was it that was telling me this past week? I was asking him, asking them, uh, was it, no, what Margaret? I can't remember who it was. Anyway, someone gave, gave me the brilliant idea. They said, you know, you could make it easier for us if you had the handouts as two different colors. Because then you could just refer to the colored handout, which is the main one. So, anyway, there's the brilliance being lived out today, someone else's idea. So the green handout. We're going to begin by reading through uh, the upper left-hand corner there, the Lord's Prayer, continuing to take some of our summary statements and replacing some of the traditional statements to help us hear afresh these words that Jesus taught us to pray. So let's join together and read those words. Our loving Daddy, present Lord, make Yourself known, rule without rival, fulfill Your good pleasures on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Enough, a few of you could just lead us by praying the simple words, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Well, He is continuing to teach us to pray by the presence of His Spirit in our lives. And this week, our our journey through the prayer uh, takes a bit of a turn, so it seems. If you're familiar enough with the prayer, you realize that there is a transition of pronouns. So we we are moving from your, your, your to us, our, us. Our, us, our. Your name be hallowed, your kingdom come, your will be done. And now we come to those places of give us, forgive us, deliver us. Now in particular, as we get to our petition of the day, give us this day our daily bread, uh, for some of us it can feel, it, it can get a little exciting, like Christmas. All of a sudden it's like, finally! We're at the part of the prayer where I get to ask about the things I want to ask about. We get to the Santa Claus part of the prayer. Uh, At least sometimes I get excited in my misunderstanding of the prayer and start to think of it that way. And it can make us feel like we have veered off course a bit. From God's glory 
to our needs? Do those things really connect? Well, that takes us back to something I brought up uh, several weeks, not every week, but uh, many of them, and that is that center of the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, And if you remember, this is Jesus inviting us to participate in bringing heaven and earth together, praying the things of heaven into the things of earth. And as I pointed out before, this prepositional phrase not only goes with, or I pointed out before that it goes with the first three petitions. But I also want to point out this morning that it bridges the first three with that second group. It bridges petitions one to three with petitions four to six. So we do have a transition of pronouns, but we do not have a transition in the trajectory of the prayer. Because the way things are in heaven, that's God's will for earth. On earth as it is in heaven. And so, our Lord cares very much for our physical, earthy needs. And that's what we get into this week. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, in this petition, we come face to face with the question, in whom do we trust? The last couple of weeks, well, last week and this week, if you were here for the first service, you already know that we're going to be addressing the topic of idols again. Idols, things that we often put our trust in, taking good things and making them ultimate things. In whom do we trust? And so I want to ask you that question. What, what are some of the things that we often put our trust in besides God? What, what are the, th- the other things besides God that we put our trust in? And as you answer that, maybe even if, if you know why we would put our trust in those things, or when we're most tempted to put our trust in those things, what are some examples? Put our trust in the government. Okay. All right. Government will take care of it all. That's right, yeah. Yes, our spouse. Put our trust in a spouse, yeah. Put a trust in the paycheck. That's right. Sometimes we don't trust it too much because it's not big enough. Sometimes we put too much trust in it because it's getting bigger. A favorite child. Yeah, okay. Other things we put our trust in. Our own skills and abilities. I can't handle that, but I can handle this. Right. A well-thought-out plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Step by step, I've got this figured out. It's going to happen. Put our trust in education. Yeah. Yeah. If I know enough, I'm going to be able to get ahead. Okay. And what and what is that, Charles? Remind me. Oh yes. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're getting challenged here with is who are we looking to? Mm-hmm. And what are some other things? Carrie, did I see a hand up over here? Education. Sorry. Tangible assets. Yes, yes. I can trust that this music stand is going to hold my stuff. The ritual of the day. We get into, we get into patterns. We get into to rhythms. Yeah, that's, that's one of my idols. Um, yeah, we like to put trust in that. Put trust in leaders in the church. Yeah. S- similar to the government issue. We're just going to... We're just going to put our trust in these people to do the right thing. So you're saying, are, are there times we can look back at places where God has provided? Okay, yeah, yeah, and we're going to come to that. And of course, I'm laughing too because Jean, <clears throat> she was coughing before she got those words out. And I thought, no one has said health yet. Sometimes we can really trust in our health. And if I can get healthier, then I'm going to be okay. Jean's already learning. She's coughing too much. Carly, you might want to scoot away. I think she's got some. Oh, you gave it to her. Okay, okay. I see how it is. We like to share in this church. That's good. Uh, Give us this day our daily bread. Well, I want us to consider two questions this morning. What does this petition mean? And what will happen if we really pray it? What does it mean and what will happen if if we're really praying this petition? So first, what are we praying for in this fourth petition? What does the prayer mean? Give us this day our daily bread. Well, you've got in front of you there, the the Westminster Shorter Catechism has this to say. In the fourth request, give us this day our daily bread, we pray that we may receive an adequate amount of the good things in this life as a free gift of God, and that with them we may enjoy His blessing. Let me read that again. In the fourth request, we pray that we may receive an adequate amount of the good things in this life as a free gift of God, and that with them we may enjoy His blessing. So we we come upon the contentment generosity priority. I'm going to unpack that a little bit for us, but if you remember, we've already looked at, at the gospel priority, where we realign our identities in Christ, Uh, rediscovering our sonship, that we are joined with Christ and are thus sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. From the Gospel priority, we move to the worship priority. And then the evangelism priority. Last week, the priority of mercy. This week, the priority of contentment and generosity. So as as we consider this this first question, uh, for what are we praying in the fourth petition, We're going to look at the words of the petition and then also the scope of the petition. So just briefly, let's take a look at the words of the petition. Give. Give. This reminds us 
that we have a need to receive. We have a very real need to receive. And it points us to the giver of all good gifts. Give. We are called back to the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. To the opening address. To the Father. The Father sitting on the throne. You don't have this in front of you, but I'll give you the reference if you'd like to write it down. In Matthew 7, I'm going to read verses 9 to 11. But in Matthew 7, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount, that we're in part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. But this is followed by these words from Jesus. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Give. We are called back to the Father, our Heavenly Father, who gives good gifts to His children. And then we come, come on those, the words us, our, give us, our daily bread. Well, what's significant here? We're called back not simply to my Father, but to our Father. Give us, not give me, gimme, 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 give us. This request is made with and for others. Just like the whole prayer is prayed to our Father. We talked about that the first week or the second week. With and for others we pray this prayer. Yes, me and my family. Yes, my church right here, Grace Covenant. But also we pray alongside the church worldwide as well as the church down the street. And often by God's grace, we end up becoming the answer to someone else's prayer. Just like at some point, God may use someone else to be the answer for our need. Us. Our. And the next set of words, this day, daily. Give us this day, our daily bread. So this request that we're making to our Father with and for others is about our present need. Not our future need. It's about our very present need. The need is for this day. Our present need of Jesus and His provision for us today. If we go back to Exodus 16, we've got a great picture there. God's daily provision for the nation of Israel providing manna saying, do you trust me? In essence, that's what he's saying. Do you trust me? I promise, and I am faithful, and I will carry you to the promised land. And over these 40 years, day after day after day, God was faithful to provide the manna. Now, the Israelites, like us, struggled to trust. And he said, don't take some for tomorrow, trust me, it'll be there again tomorrow. And some of them said, well, you know, just in case, I better get a little extra covered up in the side of my tent. 
Well, they had an early wake-up call. It stunk. They woke up, there were maggots in their manna. And again, it was God saying, trust me. I'm providing for you today. And then the next day, I'm going to provide for you again. And you know, the, the neat thing about this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. If we pray it in the morning, the request is for the current day's need. If we pray it at night, the request is for the next day's need. But either way, it's for our present need. Our immediate need. And then finally, this word bread, which we'll unpack a little bit more as we get into the scope of the petition. But this, this last word, bread, the request is made for God's provision of what we must have to live, to grow, to follow Jesus. The basic necessities of life. Now, I'm challenged by these words, and you don't have these, but I'll give you the reference. I'm sorry I didn't put them in the handout. I'm going to read from Proverbs 30, verses 7 to 9. In Proverbs 30, this is what the, uh, the writer has to say. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Deny them not to me before I die. First, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me today. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me today. So that I don't have so much that I forget about You, God, but so that I don't have so little that I seek to stealing and profane Your name. Give me what I need for today. We ask for enough so that we are not tempted to take life into our own hands and steal. But not so much that we are tempted to think life is in our own hands and feel no need of God. Well, let's move to the back of the handout and let's consider the scope of the petition. Now, it's, it's interesting, as, our, as the early church fathers were beginning to study this prayer, some of them thought, there is no way this prayer could have something to do with as mundane a thing as physical needs. No way. We have just prayed these lofty prayers about God and His glory. This cannot have anything to do with just the simple needs of day-to-day life for man. And so... Some of the early church fathers over-spiritualized. Now, there is definitely a spiritual essence to it. But they over-spiritualized said it has nothing to do with physical needs. So, one of my uh, now new favorite uh, John Calvin quotes, there's a lot of great ones, and I just discovered this one. He was speaking of the over-spiritualization, and he simply said, this is exceedingly absurd. So there you go, your new John Calvin quote. But what, what does this? It, it, the, the scope is, encompasses the spiritual and the physical. Everything that we need today. And so I've got a few quotes there for you. Uh, from Luther, uh, bread symbolizes everything necessary 
for the preservation of this life, like food, a healthy body, good weather, house, home, spouse, children, good government, and peace. And then from Stott, Jesus meant the necessities rather than the luxuries of life. The petition that God will give us our food does not deny that most people have to earn a living, that farmers have to plow, sow, and reap to provide basic cereals, or that we are commanded to feed the hungry. Instead, it is an expression of ultimate dependence, of day-to-day dependence on God who normally uses human means of production and distribution through which to fulfill His purposes. And then from Daryl Johnson, just in, in, in summary of the scope here, what is it that Jesus teaches us to pray for in this fourth petition? For physical bread. For everything necessary for functioning in this world. For everything we need to live a kingdom life. For spiritual sustenance. For Jesus Himself. For something of the, <clears throat> for something of the glorious future when we shall never hunger again. Give us this day our daily bread. And finally, our, our second question. What are the implications of praying this fourth petition? What happens when we begin to pray this authentically? Well, authentically praying this petition leads to thankfulness, contentment, simplicity, and generosity. Thankfulness, contentment, simplicity, and generosity. Excuse me. Well, thankfulness. Prayer is strengthened, and, and you can see here, again, I've got a series of quotes. Thankfulness. Prayer is strengthened immeasurably when it acquires a memory. I think that's what, uh, what Gene was speaking of. As we remember God's faithfulness, as our prayer acquires a memory, it is strengthened. Thanksgiving is an antidote to the bondage of greed and envy. Thanksgiving is a speed bump on the restless road of acquisition. Because when we give thanks, we recognize the many ways that God has faithfully and continues to faithfully provide for us. And as we pray this, authentically praying this petition leads to thankfulness, it also leads to contentment. Comparison always undermines contentment. Do you struggle with that? I do. And then as one of my friends has said, comparison is the thief of joy. When we look to Jesus for our provision, rather than than to ourselves, to other people, by comparing, when we look to Jesus, we find the peace and the joy and the contentment of a God who is faithful to provide day in and day out. The joy of daily dependence. Authentically praying this petition leads not only to thankfulness and contentment, but also to simplicity and generosity. Simplicity and generosity. God's provision frees us from this bondage of of restless acquisition. This is a fruit we desperately need to see in a consumer culture, the consumer culture that we live in. 
that we desperately need to be freed from that bondage in our own lives. From always having to measure up to the Joneses next door. I can't remember, are there any Joneses in this church? So no offense, Mended, if there are. God's provision also frees us to participate in the work that He's doing. It frees us to be a part of His redemptive activity as we are enabled based on how He provides for us, how He might use us to provide for others. To be the answer for their prayer, just as He may use them to be the answer for our prayer. Now, a beautiful picture of someone changed by these Gospel truths, by by the the Gospel playing out in their lives. Thankfulness, contentment, simplicity, and generosity. Extremely uh, challenging for me. About 15 years ago, I was at a leadership conference, a a Christian leadership conference. It wasn't necessarily for church leaders or or ministry-type folks. It was for people in, in the real world, so to speak. And the keynote speaker was a partner uh, with a, a, a prestigious um, consulting firm. And I remember one of, the, one of the sessions was on God's provision for us as leaders in the world and leaders in our society. God's provision for us and our stewardship of that which He gives us. And I remember him speaking very eloquently, very clearly, Uh, kind of some broad strokes about what that might look like. Some specific examples, but just uh, appropriately, he he, he wasn't saying too much specific about himself. But I remember at the end of his talk, because I had a lot of questions going, I was quite skeptical. And he invited. He said, if after this session you have anything that you'd like to talk to me about, please come talk to me. Ask me anything you want. I don't know if I would do this now, but 15 years ago, with uh, a good bit of uh, pharisaism and judgmentalness in my back pocket, not that they're still not back there, but I just hide them a little better, um, I I made a beeline for this guy. And I said, okay, I'd like to ask you some very specific questions. And he said, that's fine. What's your name? So I introduced myself. And uh, then I said, you know, I'm assuming being a, a, a a partner of this big consulting firm, you make a lot of money, don't you? And he said, yeah, I I do. About how much do you make? And he said, well, typically every year I make somewhere between the upper six figures and lower seven figure salary. So here's a guy bringing in about a million dollars a year. I said, okay, I'm going to get more specific. What does good stewardship look like in your life? And this guy was so gracious to me, the punk. But I remember he said, he said, you know, Camper, the 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 way that things have played out in my family, our, our kids are grown and they're out of the house, and our our home is paid for. Uh, my wife and I each have a car, and so we strive to live off of our, our budget is for about thirty to forty thousand dollars a year. Well, I started to be humbled a little bit. And I just said, and, and, and what about the rest of the money? And he said, we give it away. We give it away. The generosity and the simplicity, they gave abundantly to church planting, 
to domestic and foreign missions, to agencies throughout the world that would clothe the naked and feed the hungry. And I thought, wow, this is the Gospel at work. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, it's not the prosperity gospel. The bottom line is trust. Trust in Jesus. And then I have a a quote there from John Smed who writes, we may have investment accounts, insurance plans, and retirement portfolios. That's fine. We may have them, but we dare not trust in them for security. How easily these storehouses become a substitute for daily reliance upon God. If we are not careful, our happiness becomes attached to our wealth. Devotion to property becomes a substitute for relationship with God. So again, the bottom line is trust. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the One who gives differently, but still enough and abundantly to all of His children. Trust in the One who tells us which side of the boat to cast our nets on, because He knows where to catch fish. Trust in the One who takes what little we have, And I'm not just talking the tangible means, the money. takes whatever little we have. Little faith, little skill in relationship, little bit of forgiveness, little bit of money. Who takes what little we have, five loaves and two fish, and multiplies it to provide abundantly for us and for those around us with basketfuls left over. Trust in the One who takes water and turns it into wine. Who takes one thing that does not even have the basic ingredients of the other thing and creates something entirely new. In other words, trust in the One who can bring something out of nothing. That's what He did when He bore faith in us. We were dead and He gave us life. Bringing something where there is nothing. Trust in the One who provides. And so we can summarize this petition. Give us this day our daily bread with be our provider. Be our provider. Well, that leads us into a time of prayer. I do want to encourage you to continue thinking of working out some sort of record of prayer. Uh, just a reminder, prayer is strengthened immeasurably uh, when it acquires a memory. It's great for us not only to write down the things about which we're praying, but also to see where God has answered. I do have, if you didn't receive it last week, <clears throat> they'll be up here on this front chair, but a, a prayer list uh, template for you if you would like a blank one to fill out. You can also print it off of our website uh, under resources and then under Sunday school. And as we, as we move into our time of prayer, and I know I say this every week, but in case you're, you're new to this uh, class, just the, the basic suggestions as we pray, because we're going to get into to groups of two or three. But 
Again, pray as you are, not as you aren't. This is about trust in the one who provides conversation with him, not a presentation before him or other people. If and when you're praying aloud, pray briefly, but pray as often as you'd like. Share the prayer within the group. And when you're not praying aloud, and you do not have to, those are our high school folks they are going to discuss and pray out there, so that's... Don't, they weren't majorly offended. <clears throat> when you're praying aloud and you don't have to, pray quietly in your hearts. Whenever someone's up front praying as well, like during the service, join in that prayer. So for our season of prayer, there are a few bullet points there. You may simply pray the words, Our loving Daddy, present Lord, be our provider. I also encourage you, thank God for His provision in your life. And be specific. Ask Him to help you trust Him more. I think, of, uh, I, I think of the person who prayed, I believe, help my unbelief. We can apply that to many different things. I trust, please help my places of distrust. Pray for God's provision where you need it most. That may be financially right now. That may be relationally. It may be spiritually. And, and, and this may be something you just need to pray quietly in your heart, and that's fine. And ask to grow in thankfulness, contentment, and simplicity and generosity. So uh, I encourage you to get into groups of two or three, and I will close this in about nine minutes. So we're done at 10.15. Our loving Daddy, present Lord, Lord of the universe, Father, give us this day our daily bread. Be our provider and help us to trust in you who are good and gives abundantly to his children. It's in your name we pray and give thanks. Amen. So go in peace.